0: Malcolm Holine is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us for the weekly update here on a Friday morning, Mr. Holine. Welcome back to JM in the AM. Uh, good morning. Now we'll get back. We'll get to our uh, as we were just focused uh, moments ago. Uh, we'll get to the discussion about the fires in Israel and so many other things in just a moment. Uh, so we stumbled upon the uh, fact that you'll be addressing the thousands, if not tens of thousands, of Chabad shluchim at their annual conference. This coming Sunday night, that I am sure is going to be a unique experience for you,
1: yes, it has me frankly very nervous. I talk to people on radio and in person to hundreds of thousands to millions on radio, and it does not bother me. This really scares me <laughs> to have it 's a great honor and privilege and it 's something i 've uh, attended for many many years, and i 've had a lifelong association but uh, this is a I see it as a big responsibility.
0: Yeah, no question about it. In fact, I've pointed out, not not to make you even more nervous, but I have pointed out to people, because I've been there in the room at times, and of course I try to watch uh, on the web whenever I don't have a gig that night or whatever, and uh, I have seen people who are never, ever, ever nervous at public presentations. And if they are, we'd never know it as members of the audience. And I've seen them be noticeably shaken by the experience. Are you glad that I brought this up, Mr. Holmarch? really thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I'll tell you one thing I have noticed about those people after the first 3-4 minutes they begin to roll. It's the, yeah, they're catatonic, by <laughs> Yeah, they start they start off sometimes a little rough and you can see they're adjusting to the crowd and the whole situation. It's a, it's a large uh, arena there that they uh, that they're uh, speaking in. Uh, but then of course and, and you, I have I have all the confidence in the world that it'll be a smooth presentation for you and enjoy the experience it must be remarkable and people from all around. we were in venice people are telling us you know they're about to get on a plane to come to new york to be part of the Shluchim conference i mean people come from all over the planet to be at this uh, incredible gathering and i,
1: I got emails from Shluchim and people you know i met in my travels and you know dealt with them uh, in local communities all over the world and all of a sudden my email got flushed with these uh, messages And, uh, of course, uh, I found out that the Chabad network is really very effective.
0: Oh, yeah, no question about it. And people are looking forward to what you have to say. And I'm sure you've come up with a tale or two based on the uh, meetings you had with the Lubavitcher Rebbe that will be intriguing not just in that room but really to everybody around the world. So maybe maybe huh <laughs> all about the expectations huh? you're lowering the expectations and i am this raising this after them
1: this election i don't think anything can be intriguing to people
0: right now. i am raising the expectations and having a lot of fun doing so i must say
1: i'm sure you are
0: oh yes all right so we have a situation in israel that is um uh, not fun. that is not fun at all uh, talking about the fires uh, i mean is there a way and by the way i was shocked because you and others had told us that rain was falling after Sukkot. I didn't realize we had such a dry season. Number one, and number two, is there a way to determine, based on on what you've been told by members of government, what percentage of this, in fact, uh, are arson attacks, and what percentage is just you know naturally what happens when conditions are like this in a place like Israel? It, uh,
1: they don't know themselves, and the. Um, um you know the the nature of these things that they the way that they are coming up the way that they are uh, spreading would lead one to believe that there's arson but it could be that some are arson and some are just because of the dry tinder or because of something that you know somebody's carelessness but you don't get a pattern like this the, the, the one in Haifa at least is coming down but unfortunately we're now seeing it in Jerusalem Four homes were burnt near Jerusalem and the um uh, the intensity of these fires, and because everything is so dry, they're spreading very fast. What, what I think is remarkable, though, Nahum, is the, is the immense response. I don't know if you've seen how many countries uh, really came to Israel's aid. Israel is always there for everyone else, as you know, when Haiti, Nepal, Kenya, wherever there was a tragedy, natural disaster, or terrorist attack, Israel is always there. But this time, Croatia sent two airplanes and Fourteen people, Russia, two planes, and nineteen people Turkey, and uh, one plane first. Now two more planes are going with uh, I don't know a dozen, fifteen people. Cyprus, seven people in a plane. Azerbaijan, Muslim country, one airplane and twelve people. Ukraine, two planes. France, two planes, and one more is on its way. Um, Italy, two planes and thirteen people. Greece sent three planes, fire planes, plus a cargo plane, and almost fifty people and and now there are more countries that have just announced that they are sending assistance and there's a super tanker that should be arriving about now in uh, in Israel with uh from the United States that will be very important they don't want the small planes now they need the, the super tanker you know it's very yeah. effective in firefighting
0: um yeah the response is pretty remarkable and it's probably one of the only areas of life that Israel could not you know go ahead and offer help to other countries, so it's interesting to watch as all this is going on in the response that we've seen uh, especially early on. I mean some countries really jumped in immediately uh, right. to, to offer aid, which is really nice. Um, would you call these fires under control now or or because it's hard to sp- speak about each one individually because some may be some may not be, would you say the situation as a whole is somewhat under control at this point?
1: No for one, some of the fires the individual fires have been uh, uh have, are, are described as uh, under control but uh on Thursday night about 200 fires were dealt with uh, uh, over as of Thursday night for i don't know guess uh, 72 hours and uh, more than 75,000 people were evacuated from the homes mostly in the in Haifa and many more in other places now we're having some evacuations near Jerusalem uh, what is really miraculous is that there has not been a, a death or a, or a critical injury by hashem so far, and it took, the the police had arrested about a dozen suspects or uh, in uh, for arson or inciting people to start fires and uh and some of those are are uh, those who were believed to be responsible for starting the fires near Haifa again not all of them have been proven to be um uh, uh, have proven to be uh, arson, but as one of the officials said, uh, I think the head of the Fire and Rescue uh, Authority uh, investigation department, I think he said that 60 or 70 percent were arson. Wow. That there is physical evidence. That's pretty overwhelming. And, yeah. and now, uh, I know that uh, you know people don't get a real picture of it, but for a small country, uh, about 2,200 acres were burned. Uh, is it, it, so far and um in the north and the uh, the several of these um, fires took homes uh with them and in places like New York and Savion and other places so and and some of them are getting close to some oil facilities um, gas stations things so the, you know it's very critical that they get it under control as quickly as possible
0: um i earlier we spoke with uh Yoel Zilberman from Hashomer, Hashomer Chadash, just one just one, Amazing vol- guy. Yeah, just one volunteer organization that's doing incredible work in general for the land of Israel and people can contribute that way. Uh, I mean, anything else you could tell us in terms of what we could do from thousands of miles away aside from Pray for Rain, which is one of the messages that we got on our app earlier this morning?
1: Well, I know that the the, uh, the uh, al which is the uh, Olziveran's organization, is an amazing group. I went to see them firsthand in the Galil over Sukkot, and they're really remarkable people. Uh, I know Hatzala and others are all responding to, to to in different ways to the fires and people's contributions now to buy equipment. Uh, I know that Hashem Hadash needed uh, all sorts of uh, uh, of equipment for their volunteers who are uh, working in those areas and trying to stop it, and most of all to prevent the fires by patrolling and going into areas where, you know, the fires might be set. Yeah, and he also also
0: mentioned to anybody who really can help and afford it, uh, those $5,000 night vision drones would come in very handy at this time. So if anybody out there could sponsor one or more of those, that would be helpful as well. Or a group
1: of shuls could undertake to to do it, and and it's something that they can use then throughout the year because they... Try to work to prevent the incursions by Arabs and others into the farms in the galil force which often forced the Jewish owners to leave and now that because of them they're able to stay and they struggle literally every day with this but the yeah there are a lot of good causes there are people who are involved in the um, in the firefighting, and also you know that tens of thousands of reservists are being called in to join the police and firefighters and um and uh, they, too, will have their lives uh, disrupted.
0: We also should mention that uh, there's, that uh, I heard this from someone in Jerusalem earlier today, that there are thousands of people displaced for Shabbos because of evacuations, etc. And obviously, as you would imagine, and we've seen countless times before, the rest of the country has responded by making sure to house as many people as possible for the next few days if necessary. And that's something that we know is unique to our people. So
1: very unique and and uh, most people have a family or friends or somebody they can go to but they were told anybody who didn't would be taken care of and and they are oh and it's I got to thank I got
0: to thank listener Avi who pointed this out to me earlier this morning apparently Airbnb Has a notice that in light of the recent events in Israel, they want to let everyone know they're waiving all service fees and enabling hosts to list for free because of the fire situation. So it's funny. You never know where help is going to come from, but uh, that was remarkable. Yeah, that was a nice gesture, I thought, and uh, from an outfit that, uh, you know, we're not that familiar with in terms of their activities in Israel. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program, heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 in the FM Dial broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold studios in Jersey City, New Jersey, around the world on the web, org, of course, on the NSN app. We're just a week away from our big transition to our all digital platform. Make sure you are prepared and ready for that. We'll give more details, obviously as we get closer and closer. But again, remember, terrestrial radio will no longer be the home of JM and the AM. The home will be our uh, digital-only network, uh, the Nachum Siegel Network, which uh, is on the web, is on your app, is on your telephone, and again, we'll review all of it as we get closer and closer to the big transition. Uh, it's Shabbat Chevron. we should mention. We spoke about that earlier with one of our friends who are in Chevron. We did that on the air at just another incredible Shabbat there of great Jewish unity. You know, last week we had this opportunity to do a Jewish unity event in Venice. D- just didn't want, uh, didn't want this conversation to go. And you, of course, are speaking at one of the great unifying events this coming Sunday night at the Shluchim Conference of Chabad. Um, we always you know we talk about the, all the difficult news that we have to report, and sometimes we don 't get to focus on some of the positive things that are going on. Uh, we should not lose uh, lose vision and uh, and neglect the fact that thank God there are a lot of wonderful Jewish unity projects that are taking place Malcolm and in this case, with the fire, a Jewish unity project that comes unfortunately out of the ashes that comes from a very uh, you know negative situation, yet we see our people step up and, you know, for those who complain that we don't sometimes emphasize the positive, it's a very positive aspect that we should be emphasizing.
1: Yes, absolutely. It's, uh, it's truly remarkable and especially when it comes from outside uh, of the community. No question about it.
0: All right, uh, there are people who are concerned about some of the choices that uh, Donald Trump is making um, for his cabinet. Uh, Steve Bannon, of course, uh, at the top of that list. In addition, Uh, There are people in the quote-unquote pro-Israel community, or as I like to put it, concerned about Israel community, um, who are not thrilled with some of the statements coming from his camp, including the possibility still of a Palestinian state to be negotiated, uh, how he might be anxious, it's hard to read him, how he might be anxious to restart some type of peace process. What would you say to those who are observing this and are getting nervous?
1: They should be a little patient and wait and see, you know because somebody makes an off-handed comment it doesn't mean that this represents some sort of a policy decision um, you know this is a unique transition and it's a unique candidate uh, one that really don't know much about in terms of past positions because he didn't he didn't have governmental position before where he had to really deal with policy but if you look at the, some of the appointments these are people who have who do have track records uh, Michael Flynn um, uh, Pompeo at CIA, CIA. Uh, and we'll have to see. It's a big decision. Is is Secretary of State and Secretary of Defense also? These are uh, critical jobs, and the people I think in this administration who take these positions uh, will have a great deal of influence, uh, as will others. So, uh, I think the the um, concern that that is being expressed. Nikki Haley will be the ambassador to the UN. Right. Was the first governor to sign a BDS legislation. Uh, and and she's not visited Israel, but she, you know, has always been sympathetic.
0: Anti-BDS legislation, right? Yeah, and,
1: yeah, of right. course. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just wanted to make sure people knew where you were coming from. That's all. Yeah. Well, for the UN, it might be pro-BDS, <laughs> but thank God no. Um, <laughs> and and uh, Miss DeVos, who's going to be the Secretary of Education. I've seen some very positive reactions to her appointment. Yeah,
0: but you see, and, and this is where I, I don't know, maybe I, maybe I would have handled things differently, but, and I think Naftali Bennett brought this up in terms of the, uh, you know, reaction from Israel. You and I have said countless times over the years that sometimes it's just better to, you know, keep our mouths shut and there's no reason to start speaking about right. concessions and other things. And of course, from Israel, we saw that that that, that edict, that advice was not adhered to this week. Um, I sort of feel like the same thing is happening in his transition where where certain things that could be answered with, you know, we'll take a close look and figure it out, uh, you know, could be answered that way as opposed to giving what looks like, you know, answers in a certain direction on these topics. You know what I'm saying? I would have been more comfortable if the peace process, you know, question would have been answered with, well, we're going to examine it. We'll figure it out. Instead, it sounds like they're already going in a certain direction.
1: I, and I think that uh, people always have to be careful uh, with your words and and how they're interpreted, it may not have been the intent. But in, to some degree, when you raise these issues, you put them on the agenda right. rather than really being a serious consideration. I assure you that uh, uh, of the priorities he has right now, this is not going to be at the top of the list. Right. And you know, it, for one thing, he is uh, considered himself a deal maker and capable of many things. So he said. You know, he'd like to see a, a peace agreement, and, and that he would negotiate, and said something about his son-in-law negotiating it. Right. Uh, I mean, all of this, I think, is is uh, you know just a response to questions that are posed him, or or issues. I think, in terms of priorities, he has first thousands of positions to fill, shaping a government, and he he wants to issue a number of executive orders on the first day. This will not be one of them. Uh, we will see whether he waves the Jerusalem legislation, which is required uh, for the to not to enact the 1995 legislation. Perhaps he 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 won't do that. Um, we'll have to see. But I think people jumping to conclusions, as you said, and to to right away the public uh, posturing about things is mistaken. If you, there are reasons to express concern, if there are people who don't like particular names, they can say it. But you better do it on the basis of facts and do it across the board, yeah. I meaning for both sides. And we're seeing, you know, extremists in, in the right and on the left who are of concern. We do see language. We do see manifestations that are of concern. And, and to fight it, you need a unified country. It's not, you need to bring people back together to say, well, we're going to deal with the extremes, whether they come from uh, either end of the spectrum.
0: Yeah, understood. Um, y- y- we've spoken about the date of the twenty ninth of November, significant, and it's coming up obviously Tuesday, uh, significant because of the uh, anniversary of the partition plan, United Nations nineteen forty seven. Uh, also, a significant date to the uh, to the other side as well, so to speak, uh, as they always uh, mark it in a negative fashion. will we see as you had uh, told us to pay attention for, will we see activities at the UN this week that might uh, you know speak more about a Palestinian state etc uh,
1: I have no doubt that they're going to speak about it as you know the United Nations has specific uh, bodies designated just for the Palestinian issue so they have to earn their keep and want to stay in business um, and therefore there always are are uh, events that will take place. So far, we have not seen any move for the resolution that we were very concerned about. The French initiative, it seems they say, is it, it, still on track, but it's unlikely in a month that they're going to be able to pull off an international conference. The United States still opposes it. And we should note that France uh, published an official notification yesterday uh, urging businesses to use labels to identify goods that are produced in, uh, in Israeli settlements and and it says you have to add the words Israeli settlement uh and and <laughs> such as made in the West Bank Israel settlement or made in the Golan Heights Israeli settlement while Israel has condemned it um uh, the uh as at, and as calling essentially for a boycott. So it is unfortunate uh that France has fallen into this trap, although that we've been warned and you know the EU has some regulation or recommendations, regulations in this regard, so I'm sure others will follow. But in terms of the French initiative, I don't believe that it's going to go. The question is, if in the time remaining, and each day there's less time, uh, will some special initiative, and the critical question is what what does the United States uh, do? So far we have not seen any kind of a resolution in being prepared or being introduced. Uh, it doesn't take a long time to do it, and they can do it you know, until the last days of the session. Right. But right now, uh, so far, no, and, and no indication whether the president is going to give a speech or I think again, the fires and everything have Israel is so preoccupied that any initiative of this kind now would be certainly uh, even more inappropriate than usual.
0: Um, on the settlement labeling thing, does France become the first country in Europe to have an official uh, um, an official I don't want to call it a law, what is it a guideline? What do you call it? A regulation. A regulation. Uh, because we've heard of things like this from England, etc., but it never got to this stage in that process, right? Is that correct? I
1: don't think so. No, I don't think uh, it, it is possible that the Scandinavian countries do mm-hmm. it, but this is the first. I mean, France's size and its economy and its impact, it's, it's much greater. Right. I don't think that this is going to lead to radical changes. Uh, it hasn't until now, and as we know, the BDS movement has not you know, hurt Israel. Uh, very much. Uh, it, and I'm not saying it doesn't do any damage, but it does hurt in, in, aside from economic ways. Uh, but it hurts the Palestinians a lot more.
0: Right, understood.
1: So um, these people have not got an interest of the Palestinians when they do
0: this. You mentioned the president a moment ago, and the possibility, I assume you meant President Obama and the possibility of him speaking uh, this week. I mean, the, the clock is ticking. Uh, many people were wary of you know, what could happen or what his attitude might be toward Israel between November the 8th and january the 20th we've now have uh, you know we've had a couple of weeks uh, already passed by any reason to think that he will or will not act aggressively or speak aggressively when it comes to israel
1: we don't know and uh, as i said i've spoken to administration officials as recently as uh... 24 hours ago and right now nothing has happened there's been no decision uh, i think it in part and it's why uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu is trying to make it clear to his cabinet secretaries to do exactly what you did right. and that is to shut up.
0: Right, but that—that that I get. But that was in reference to the UN. I'm saying between now and now.
1: no, but also in terms of some of the statements about settlements and stuff. Right now, that uh, if everybody holds off for a month, and to, so you don't give an excuse, you don't give a handle. But when you, if you do blatant actions or or undertake policies that are, are seem to be in blatant violation of what. The West and the, the, most of the countries in the world, except, you're going to invite an, an intervention. So that's why he is being so adamant about telling people to back off right now.
0: Right. <laughs> Unfortunately, he can't make that a regulation or a law. Right. <laughs> right. He also
1: told them not to deal with uh, min- incoming administration officials uh, and didn 't seem to help much either,
0: and probably told them not to comment at all on the choices of incoming
1: officials, I would assume as well of course he said he didn 't want them to say anything or be in touch with them because again you sow confusion you can 't just have every minister running and and uh, negotiating and talking to people first, and people should just come down and let them put a government in place um, you know it takes months for a government especially one like this where it's not a continuation right. so he he doesn't have a backfield that he can just call in or or a bench that he can draw people off of he he's starting from scratch constructing a government and the it takes a long time until they all know where the keys are and where their offices are so people should be a little patient and and give it a chance and, of course, we, we look to Congress uh, to, to continue its actions, and they're moving ahead on the sanctions legislation all the time. And uh, I expect that you will see a lot more of it after January 1st when the new Congress comes into session.
0: All right. Yeah, that's true. We'll talk more about that, obviously, down the road. store speaking of the U.N., the head of the... Lebanon International Airport denied Thursday Israeli accusations that Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps were using commercial airline flights to ship weapons to Lebanese Shiite Muslim group Hezbollah, accusation made by U.N. Ambassador Danny Danone. Any update on this situation?
1: Yeah, so we, we've talked about this uh, over a while, and, and what we're seeing is that Hezbollah and Iran are working together. It's become more and more clear. They uh, And w- unfortunately, we even see Russia and Hezbollah officially working together, in Syria and announced that they have uh, military coordination, uh, and we've seen a buildup of Hezbollah. They maybe have ten thousand troops in in Syria na- now. And the three way cooperation of Hezbollah, Russia, and Iran, of course, is of uh, of concern. And, and in that case, it was the Russian initiative to establish this communication and uh, uh, work together. So when we look at Russia's interest, doesn't necessarily. Uh, coincide with what I think we would see as is Israel's uh, interest and the threats that we've seen emanating uh, from there um, is, is of concern but the Hezbollah build up in particular is something uh, and and we see also at the same time thousands of shiite militias coming from Lebanon, Iraq, Pakistan, Afghanistan uh and these are people loyal to Iran and they are um, building up near Aleppo These are people with strong, let's say, religious extremist motivations and uh, playing a more and more important uh, role. And and these guys are all not going to leave, even after the war is over. And this is to establish the permanent Iranian influence, just like Russia wants to have a permanent presence. They have the Air Force Base and Naval Base at Latakia and TARDIS. And and we see the Iran Revolutionary Guard with Hezbollah, um, and now these militias uh, uh, increasing. And you see the aggressiveness of the Iranian position that their head of their navy talked about 44 flotillas of warships they have operating in 2 million square miles all the way into the Indian Ocean, the Persian Gulf, uh, 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 other areas. And talked about their, their new naval zones and three new naval bases, that they're expanding their outreach uh, in, in all directions, including, of course, Baghdad and and Beirut and Damascus. So these are very... Uh, serious moves that don't get, it seems, much attention uh, from from uh, anybody. In the meantime, they keep arresting people. They keep uh, the twelve members of their nuclear negotiating team that used that dealt with the IAEA have been arrested and charged mm-hmm. with espionage. Meaning
0: Iranian uh...
1: Iranians. It, it, it's it's bizarre, but this stuff is happening, and, and almost no attention from the media to it. Even though this is still still positive, and I think that. That the recognition and the realization of what Iran is up to was reflected in the vote last week uh, in the House of 419 to one to to continue the sanctions right. and to extend the the sanctions, and there there are 19 bills pending that the new Congress probably will deal with, dealing with Iran sanctions of all kinds, even preventing the sale of the aircraft to them, et cetera. So and and some to reimpose some of the banking sanctions, which are are very important. So the the there is this recognition on part of of legislators that Iran is taking advantage of this moment and expanding its its authority, challenging American right. interests uh, all the time. Are they, become, are they
0: becoming? Are they becoming
1: consequence?
0: Are they becoming more aggressive because they sincerely are worried about what might happen to these agreements once January twentieth happens?
1: Certainly verbally they are, and they are very concerned they 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 uh attack the incoming president, even spreading rumors that he's Jewish, I think Hamas did that, and uh, uh other attacks uh on him uh, yes they they are very concerned because uh, uh they have been able to get away with a lot and and have paid very little price um uh, uh for it, so this it's an unknown for them. And I think the strong messages that that have come out in the past from uh, President-elect and others uh, do have an impact.
0: And as you told us a couple of weeks ago, don't anticipate any type of drastic move when it comes to uh, trying to abolish the Iran deal, but look for some small gestures and moves that could have a a significant effect.
1: And they don't have to be necessarily small. By the way, Iran is also moving in on the PA. They they are reestablishing their ties with Hamas. They are working more closely, providing uh, weapons and, and more support. Um, so that's why the Iranian officials say, look, we, we are on everyone. We're on all of Israel's borders, Hamas, Hezbollah, et cetera. And um, they, the, their activities, as you said, have become much more aggressive. And w- one of the reasons is because they can't. They don't right. feel the, the threat that... Um, you know, that the international community is really going to extract the price for, for the violations on missiles, on human rights, on terrorism, et etc. Cetera, et cetera.
0: Finally, the number of terrorist attacks recorded in Israel increased last month by over 20 percent, for over 30 uh, percent over September. The 29 percent increase in attacks, the largest, oh, by almost 30 percent, the 29 percent increase in attacks, the largest since the near tripling of incidents in October of 2015, owed partly to a near doubling of incidents in the Israeli capital of Jerusalem to 48 last month from 26 in September, frankly, and you've been in Jerusalem very recently, and you know I, I got plenty of family there at this point. Frankly, it doesn't feel that way. Is, is it a couple of incidents? Because thank God, there's been such a uh, effective intelligence and activity by security personnel against terrorist attacks that because of these couple of incidents that we saw at the light rails, etc., at light rail stations, you know th- those uh, were, those were responsible for the increase in these statistics.
1: I think you're uh, you're right
0: because you, you were you were there. It doesn't feel like it,
1: right? It doesn't, doesn't feel like feel it. it. At all. There was no restrictions at any time on where you could go, what you could do. You didn't see reports of of incidents, but uh, you know to get an uh, uptick, it doesn't take much. But you know that the violence that we're seeing now, and there is a huge upsurge in in violence in in inside the PA, against the PA, against the PA security, against the. And they they're often fighting uh, Fatah gunmen, and young people there are are demonstrating against Abbas, not against Israel, about the corruption and about the the uh, fact that the, the you know his sons, who he's trying now, by the way, to bring into the leadership of uh, uh, of Fatah uh, and of the PA, and because there's no apparent successor for, you know, he's in the eleventh year of his four-year term, and he's. Uh, there's a lot of pressure about elections, and about and the internal pressure is growing all, all the time. And the, the even the things like the 300 million dollars in the budget that goes to pay for terrorists has finally gotten more and more attention. The fact that that a terrorist, the one who killed like the Fogel family, the two parents and and three children, he gets 12,000 shekels a month as a as a pension for. We're wow. killing him because he, the more you kill, the more you get it. A Palestinian teacher makes a 1,000 shekels a month, and these terrorist murderers get 12,000 shekels a month. Unbelievable. And the United States and others are finally moving to, to cut this off, the incitement that we have seen in there. And, and they use every forum. And that's why the, we can't rule out what they will do with the Security Council, even as a diversion from their internal problems. But they went to the environmental conference and blamed Israel, and Israel responded, showing how they've tried to work with the, the PA. They have a cement factory where 70 percent of the workers have respiratory illnesses, Palestinians, and it also impacts the community, Jewish communities nearby. Uh, and yet the Palestinians refuse to, to do anything, and yet they go to the UN Climate Conference and attack Israel viciously. and uh, blame Israel for for ruining the environment. We saw the same regard to water, regard to other things. And yesterday it was an amazing event where the head of the coordinator, the, the IDF coordinator for government activities, Kogat uh, General uh, Yov Mordechai, did a, a Facebook, a live Facebook thing, and it, it was amazing to see the thousands of people who who responded to it, and people asked questions, and he warned them not to pay for permits; that this is a rip off and you know that 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 to get permits to come into israel for treatment if you're not a member of the father ruling group you have to pay right and and yet israel treats them for free and and hundreds of israelis go and pick them up and it's just on every level the corruption is so widespread and now we're seeing the reaction to it especially amongst young people uh... and the international community has virtually nothing to say They they have no comment about all of this uh... mistreatment of the people so it's a, it's a very dangerous situation inside the PA right now. And, um, and, you know, the aid from the international community is about half of what it was three years ago because of the, the disappointment and dissatisfaction with the kleptocracy there. There you go. Uh,
0: good luck on Sunday night. You may want to um, you, you visit the OL tomorrow night before the event. You ever think of that? Oh, yeah, I have been thinking about that. Oh, there you go. See? And uh, <laughs> great minds think alike, huh? And uh, next week we'll be in our all-digital forum. Oh, mention that to all the shluchim you meet. They can listen from anywhere around the world. you got to make sure to mention that. And uh, we'll be in our all-digital forum. I hope your grandchildren have already installed the NSN app for you, Malcolm. I don't I don't depend on you to do it. But I hope <laughs> your grandchildren have already done it for you.
1: Actually, I did talk to them about it to make sure that I have it right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm telling you, that's what's been happening for the last few weeks. All the young people out there, help the oldsters, help everybody. In the, uh, this it's see- uniting
1: the generation. <laughs> it
0: certainly is. And you get an opportunity to have the kids make fun of you, which is always fun, right? They don't uh, need excuses. <laughs> so we will speak, <laughs> Bezrat Hashem, same time next week in our new format, and I thank you. Bezrat uh, Hashem, Malcolm Holline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us Friday mornings here at JM in the AM next week. Make sure you have your app, your computer, your phone, whatever method you're going to use. Transition with us to our brand new digital platform and make sure to uh, be tuned in for the weekly update every single week right here at the JM in the AM.